0: Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker.
1: And I'm Christy Purifoy. Listeners, you know I love a party, and I thought I was heading into party season. But now as you and I, Lisa Jo, continue asking what it looks like to put body and soul back together, I'm realizing that I might need to celebrate the crossing of this finish line in a very different way.
0: Yeah, consider this your gentle invitation, friends, to sift through the chaos in your souls from the last three years. There's no deadline, there's no timeline, and you're not alone. So get comfy, friends. Here we go. Listen, dear listeners, it's been so lovely hearing from so many of you. So many of you have popped up in my inbox or my direct messages, leaving sweet notes saying, I'm not sure how to leave a review, but I'm just going to write to you personally. (laughs) I just wanted to say... Thank you very much. It's the most life-giving way to start a day to pull up something like that and receive a message from listeners on the other side of the table. So we just want to acknowledge that you're here today, whether you're drinking tea or coffee or iced coffee or sweet tea or driving in the car or, I don't know, frantically shopping for graduation shoes. Whatever you're doing (laughs) right now, thank you for doing it with us. We're grateful.
1: That's right. And I know, I mean, we talk about tea and coffee a lot, Lisa Joe, but I know that a seasonal shift has occurred because this week I have made two glass pitchers of iced tea, which is something I almost never do. (laughs) I know. For me, I have made, I just discovered a year
0: into owning it that our milk frother can froth on cold. I did not know it could do that, but now I have done it and it is amazing.
1: Yes. That is a life changer for summer iced coffee. Yes. Yes. It's amazing. And I only know because our 12 year old was
0: like, can't you froth it on cold, mom? Come on. And I was like, "Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Can I? And she's
1: like, yeah. And then apparently we could. Yeah, I think it took me a while as well, which is sad because our little frother has like three buttons. One, and they're all pictures. And one is very cl- clearly extra hot. One is hot. And one has a little snowflake symbol, which I should have understood as cold, but no, it took me too
0: long. <laughs> That's so funny. I know it took my tween to help me figure it out, but worth it. Worth it. So right. thank you for being with us. This is I think the second lost in an unexpected series rabbit trail we've gone down and we've been pulling out a few different threads and as we come into the home stretch, here's a here's a just a kind of like a refresher of why yeah. we're having this conversation. Here we are globally coming out of a three year pandemic trying to have some kind of reset for our bodies, our minds, our souls. We're headed into summer, which is that season of kind of reset plus discombobulation at the same time. Feels like a good time to talk about how are we doing soul and body? Are they connected? How are you doing? Christy and I are also coming off of three years, uh, very different three years. She produced three books in three years. I have produced one. (laughs) (laughs) But what a book it is, Lisa Joe. I feel like it's worth like 10. That's very kind. That's how you know she's a best friend because she's so kind about it. It's literally like imagine Christy had three babies in three years (laughs) and I had one. That is a very good way for you to understand. Not only did she have three babies, she then documented photographically like every milestone (laughs) and put it in the next book.
1: <laughs> no no, I think uh I will not drop this point so easily. I think if we added up all my word count for these books and all my photos, I'm still not sure it would <laughs> equate with yours. But you're right. We have both yeah, been through some some big um efforts, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah, and and so
0: as we now emerge from the season of incredible production and try to look around, for me it feels like I describe book writing a bit like this. I've never done deep sea diving. I don't want to, Um but I imagine it feels like this. I feel like I've been down on the bottom of the ocean, like the deepest depths of the ocean, discovering Leviathan whales and sea creatures I'd never come face to face with before. And it's very quiet and very dark and at times scary down there and not a lot of oxygen. And But you're alone with your thoughts. And now it's a season of surfacing and looking around at my life and trying to understand what shifted on the surface while I was gone. And I think for The world, maybe, is how we feel coming out of the pandemic. You know, there's that sense of like something very strange has happened. We're trying to find our bearings, we're not sure how to do it. And so therein lies this conversation. There's a bit of an intersection here between emerging from a deep writing project, emerging from a pandemic. And so we're picking at some of the threads that are specific to our lives, hoping they connect with where you are too. Trying to make sense of both the good and the very difficult of the last three years in a way that helps you feel more whole as a person.
1: Mm-hmm. I think we're not alone, Lisa Joe, in the sort of cry that we were unpacking the past few weeks of either, I feel like I'm dying. Yes. Which, which we we analyzed as like, man, when body and, and soul are not integrated, when body is going, 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 and soul is kind of left flailing, um, it can feel like death. Mm. Or, like I said, I feel so tired. Yeah. And um, I think for me, rather than the deep sea diving the past few years, it has been a lot of frantic paddling and doggy paddling on the surface as mm. wave after wave <laughs> yes. came crashing. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so it's been quite shallow in a sense that part of me longs to go to that deeper quieter place and um, that has just not been available the past few years quite dramatically i would say even that first year of the pandemic i can remember it was a good year when i could say i have not been alone Mm. i've not been alone yeah i remember here and for an introvert who really can only recharge alone um man i ran that battery down 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 as many did and as you know um, praise God who sustains even when we don't have what we need and can't recharge, etc. Um, but if like Lisa Jo, if like the two of us listener, um, uh, you know, we pray that um, this won't be true for everyone, but we pray that for um many of you like us there is a reprieve coming there is a space coming and i think um i think what i'd love to talk about today cuz i think i'm realizing this as well lisa joe is that you don't step into a new space or a new season and suddenly the weight of the past is just gone. And here you are. Yay. You know, new me, new day. And I feel great. And I'm just going to dive into this summer of rest and reset. And it's going to happen automatically, et cetera, et cetera. I think what I'm realizing is, woo, I, um, I have the gift of space this summer, some space for me personally that I think will look like maybe finally getting to go a little deeper, find a little quiet. Now, that might be wishful thinking. I do have four children in my home for the summer. <laughs> um, we'll see, but um, at least in terms of you know my my work obligations, I think there'll be some yeah. space. So how do I how do I step into that well? How do I steward that well? How how much of the past do I bring with me? How important is that? What does it look like to help body and soul reconnect this summer? Uh, I think those are the questions I'm asking today, and but with Hope with a sense of optimism that feels really good.
0: You know, last week we ended the episode saying that we were going to talk this week about that idea of how sometimes at the end of a big project you can expect to feel really shattered, and um, especially in a writing project. But interestingly enough, the The act of writing, the thinking through, the reflecting on your past is an act of almost, I feel like a collage or a a mosaic where you're finding little broken bits and pieces and you're putting them together to make a new whole. There's a wholeness, a fullness, and an ability to see a picture that maybe you didn't see before once you've put all those little scraps of the mosaic together. And in that way, It's deeply encouraging. But what's been surprising to me this week is the discovery that sometimes when we finish a hard thing, even if we finish it well... So listener, I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's a school year you've come through with your kids, but maybe it was you who was back at school. Maybe it's something in your marriage. Maybe it's a season of parenting. Maybe it's a big project at work. Like Maybe there's a thing that's been really hard. Maybe there's a, familiar, a familial relationship that's been challenging that you've been working at and working at and you're trying to make sense of and you've come to the other end of it. And now you feel like you're you're supposed to, and I put that in quotation marks, you're supposed to feel a certain way and you don't. And that can be jarring. So a lot of us coming out of the pandemic, you're supposed to feel, oh, yay, life is normal. Like we're back to how we used to be. And I think a lot of people don't feel that way. And we're trying to make sense of how we, how we're supposed to feel, how we do feel, why we feel that way. So for me last week, um and just an aside again thank you for being free therapy for Lisa Jo as she processes finishing a <laughs> book. <laughs> but uh, you know last week I felt so hopeful and excited and the finish line was inside and I was about to turn the final book in and um we were heading into Memorial Day weekend and I thought I would have this wonderful break and a weekend of rest and it just did not play out that way. It it was you know trying to give time to my kids took chunks of the day, which meant I spent chunks of the night doing final changes on the book. And there were things that I still was talking through with my dad and catching and sort of having that panic of like, oh my gosh, what if I hadn't caught this? And I ended up you know, being up till like two in the morning and the night before it was due. And just that feeling the next day of, wow, I don't feel closure. I don't feel closed. I don't feel delighted and delirious with joy and having crossed the finish line. Instead, honestly, Christy, I think I had a friend describe this to me a more accurate description of like my interior world the last two days has been sort of a mini PTSD. I felt like I've spent four years crawling across a minefield trying not to die, like trying not to step on a landmine related to something I was writing or how someone I was writing about would feel in real life or how a nation might respond to what I'm writing about. I kept thinking I was going to die and I didn't. I'm not dead. I turned it in and yet in my brain, I, I just like can't turn off that replay switch of like, what if I had done this? Or what if I forgot that? Or what if I didn't do that? And it has created in me like this incredible anxiety the last two days of just heightened levels of fight or flight emotion. And I just have thought a lot about the, about the people listening, about friends we love and know who've been through traumatic things the last year, even good things. There's this weird place of crossing a finish line where what do you do when it doesn't feel like you thought it would and your body is clearly still trying to process something separate from your soul. I feel like that's what's happening. There's a disconnect somewhere and in trying to create synthesis, I feel like all my nerves are just firing at once. And so I think what was helpful was just recognizing that. Like yesterday, in the last two days, I just kept saying, okay, body, like you are freaking out. I can tell, like, it's gonna be okay. We're gonna move through it. But I I do think it's probably not a unique experience to me. It's probably not unique just to writing a hard thing. And when we're coming off the last three years, I'm guessing there are a lot of people who have had days maybe like that.
1: You know, one thing we are, we often do on this podcast, Lisa Joe is we call people to remember, to look back, to retell their stories, to bring them into into the present. Um, And we have seen over these years how powerful that is, how good that is. Um, But um, I do think in a moment that like you're describing of of a real shift of something completed or finished or done or something, um, there is a temptation or I don't know if it's a temptation, I'll use that word, but there is a possibility that we can look back in ways that are unhealthy, that are not helpful, you know? So I know for me, one possibility, and I could see maybe it would be something, you know, you might feel as a possibility too, is to look back with regret, fear, shame, questions, and just be always reworking the past. You know, it's kind of this thing that my brain loves to do that, Fortunately, as I have grown older, I have I, I feel like I have some brain muscles now that that resist this with a little more strength, but the temptation is still there. So my brain does a thing. If I'm out socially or I have a conversation with someone, my brain will just keep going back to the conversation or keep going back to that speaking event or keep going to the, the back to that social um encounter and like re <laughs> rehashing it, retelling it, reliving it, like Almost in a way that I'm stuck and I'm fearful. Like, did I say the right thing? Did they understand me? Did I respond the way I should have? So on. And um, I'd love to process today, like, what it looks like to remember in ways that are fundamentally the truth of that word, like, remember to reconnect, to put the members of the body back together. Mm. Like, that's what remembering is in its best sense and not to look back in ways that are dis, are going to disintegrate are going to um, stir up fear or um, disconnection, ways that are going to paralyze us, I think. Mm. You know, I think what you and I want now is... Um, we don't want to forget. We don't want to neglect any lessons of the past or wisdom. Um, but then what does it look like to move forward? Um, what does it look like to move forward with our past without being shackled by the past? So, I was thinking as you were sharing about how you thought it would be to turn in the book. Yes, I was thinking, oh, in a maybe slightly less emotional or less dramatic sense, or maybe not less, just different Um I have, I felt that way a little bit, or I've been aware of something similar with finishing um, our cottage here at Maplehurst that I've talked about on the podcast. You know, we've been, I mean, going on two years at least, but really longer in terms of planning and conversations. I mean, it it kind of maps over the three years, actually. Um, we've been moving toward planning toward this um, cottage for my in-laws and now for my mother-in-law here at maplehurst and and um, it was almost about two years ago that my in-laws moved up from Texas to be here with us and to really take on the project well the cottage is now finished um, but even in saying that word I'm like is it did we are we there you know <laughs> like I, I'm like I think we fin- I, I think we're finished and I'll tell you Lisa Joe, all these months. When i imagined if I imagined finishing, I imagined a party. I imagined like, "Oh, when we finish, we'll have a party. when we finish, all these people who've been involved will have a party and i would always i would often say that like and you know that's how my brain thinks, right? I love parties, I love gathering people, yeah. I love marking moments um with significant gatherings or or just with gatherings so i would i would I would say that or think that oh and it, it like kind of kept me going like. It won't always be like this. It won't always be construction. It won't always be uncertainty. There will be a finish and we will have a party. Mm-hmm. But now that we're here, um, I realize, I, ha- I think I've begun to realize like, oh, Christy, it might be more complicated. It might be slower. It might be more of a process. It might not just be an invitation and a party. It, it might be, maybe there'll be a party at some point, but I realize um, even a finishing is a change and a transition that is complicated and brings up big emotions. And it's not necessarily the right thing for me to impose a party on everyone. (laughs) Like that maybe isn't what the moment needs, or maybe it's not what it needs yet. Or maybe finishing is a process as well. And we're not quite ready to, we're not quite in the party mode of the finishing. I don't know. But I've, I've just realized like, oh, Christy calm down about the party and actually pay attention to where you all are and what might actually be needed and what might actually be good and what might actually yeah be what you know the whole community the whole family here at Maplehurst needs and um so yeah as you were sharing i was like oh yeah that's kind of what i've been thinking about so i guess what i'm saying is i think it i think we get through some hard things by by just imagining this it's almost like imagining a parade. <laughs> you know, at the end there will be a parade. At the end there will be fireworks. At the end there will be birthday cake. I don't know, but actually maybe what it feels like is um, is is less of a definitive moment, less of a finish line, and more of a finishing. And so, if it's a finishing, how do we? enter into the finishing well what do we bring with us how, you know what is what is our posture in the finishing so I, I have actually a little something to read in this book i've been going through this week unless before i jump into that lisa joe is there anything no you wanted i wanted to say i like about? a
0: good book segue i like somebody yeah. else to tell me how i'm thinking and feeling
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that'd be great helpful. God bless writers who do that for us. So, um, I have been reading a a wonderful book, uh, really enjoying it, called How to Inhabit Time um, by James K.A. Smith, um, a a philosopher, Christian philosopher, and um, professor. The subtitle, but it's written for a a popular audience, it's not an academic work. Um, And the subtitle is Understanding the Past. Facing the Future, and Living Faithfully Now, which I'm like, okay, yes, tell me about that. Um, so, I recommend the book as a whole, but I just read this week this little bit um, where he kind of gives an image, and the cool thing about images, especially we're having a conversation like this where we're trying to, as you said, pull out certain threads, tease things apart, and 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 discover certain answers, but sometimes, like, Linear thinking or rational thinking or this 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 isn't going to get you there. But sometimes seeing a picture, you're like, oh, that's it. Now let me yeah. let yes. me let me spend some time with that picture because I think the truth is in that image, and I feel that way about this image, even if it's not maybe the kind of answer our rational minds know exactly what to do with. <laughs> so he offers this picture that actually comes from uh, mythology or a religious tradition in Ghana um called Akan AKAN and um there's a a bird that is important in this mythology and forgive me if I'm not using the right terms for this cuz I'm not I hadn't this is the first time learning about this but it's called a Sankofa bird and so let me just read what he says how he describes this Sankofa bird and really what he's trying to do here is give us an image for um Thinking about our past in order to live well into the future, not to be shackled or paralyzed by shame, regret um, in an unhealthy way, but also not to be forgetful in an unhealthy way. So the, um, so he says an important symbol is this, the sakofa bird. It's a majestic bird with its head turned back over its shoulder to look back, but the bird is moving forward attentive to its past. In its mouth, it carries an egg or a seed, signifying life that is to come. It is a fundamentally futural symbol. So, it's flying forward, bearing the seeds of possibility. So, it's about the future and about new life. Um, he says, the look back is not a longing to return, but an awareness of where one has come from in order to live into the future well. And he says that this symbol of this bird flying forward, looking backward, holding, you know, a beak or a seed um, has a proverb that goes with it. And a literal translation of the proverb would be this, go back and fetch it. Go back and fetch it. In other words, don't go back and stay, go back and live there, but go back and get that seed of new life possibility and bring it with you. Go back and fetch it. Um, And he says, in the same way, God does not want to undo our pasts, nor does He want us to nostalgically dwell in our pasts. God's grace goes back to fetch our pasts for the sake of the future. And when I read that this week, I thought, Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Now, what does that look like for Christy Puravoy this summer with her kids? You know, right. um, that that I've, I I got to figure out. But I feel like, oh, there's some truth here. I, I want to unpack.
0: <laughs> Go back and fetch your past for the sake of your future. I mean, that's powerful. That is the work of memoir. I mean, that's what I feel like I've spent the last three years doing. Um, and I do think sometimes then you get to the point where the seed is so big, it feels like it's crushing you. <laughs> you yeah, like you're bearing back like this giant rock. <laughs> that's right. Rock or seed. And you're, you're that is to the run question. away from it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I have any answers either, except to just give space. Sometimes it feels like you need someone to just give you permission that if something doesn't feel like you think it's supposed to. That's just okay. And it's weird when we live in a social media world that's always prescribing for us what it's supposed to look like or feel like when we accomplish or finish, or even like Wednesday doing laundry, how it's supposed to look and feel. It feels like social media has an opinion on all of those things. And, um, I think it's okay that it doesn't, especially when you're coming off of three years where we don't quite have language even yet for what happened in these last three years. And we have children that are trying to process what it was like for them, and and they're trying to navigate milestones. And I just think part of what we have to do is give our bodies space to find language. And in my book, I talk a lot about language and how... Um, Often we don't have the right words for things. It takes time to figure out what they are. And so I think there's just a part of us that needs to give ourselves space to find language and words and time. And maybe, and I'm telling this to myself, in the, in the interim, we don't have to work at doing that. We can just continue on with the things that do bring joy, whether it's a slow walk or sitting in a patch of sunshine or going out for a late night ice cream run, like whatever that is this summer. Sometimes your brain does the work of figuring it out while you're just giving it space to do that, while your body is just giving your brain space because your body is slowing down.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think um, if there's a work of it, It is in going slow enough, perhaps, to actually feel what you're feeling and think what you're thinking. Um, I realize the temptation for me is that I have anticipated a a moment. I've anticipated when this is finished, when this is over, when I get past this deadline, when uh, this school year lets out, when the pandemic is over, et cetera, et cetera. It will be like this, and I will feel this, and it will be so great. And instead, it can be disorienting to land in that moment and realize, oh, it's not how i pictured it the feelings aren't how i pictured it the what's happening isn't how i pictured and um for me i can find that very disorienting and i want i the temptation for me is to not even actually pay attention to what i'm actually feeling and actually thinking but still be wearing this cloak of like it's going to be a party it's going to be party feelings um without even pausing to realize wait actually no, underneath that, I feel this, (laughs) I feel this way. And, and I think like we cannot, I cannot really truly enter real rest and real restoration and a real reset of body and soul. If I um, don't feel my feelings and think my actual thoughts, because, um, uh, because then i I have driven i have a lot of wedge again between body and soul, because the body, you know um, you know there 's a lot of there 's a good book that has this title and there 's a lot of talk this day these days about how the body remembers so if we 're not allowing our mind our hearts our soul to be aware of some truths of our experience, the body will remember, and um, the body will let you know with the panic feelings you described or with chronic pain or or something, um, which isn't to say that all chronic pain or panic feelings are, are have this explanation, but um, we we know from listening to one another that this can happen. So I think if, if the goal here is a reintegration and um, a resting into wholeness, um, that it might also... It might be sitting still enough with the ice cream cone, making the ice cream Mm -hmm. run and also sitting with the uncomfortable feelings and saying, "Okay, even though I finish and even though I'm having I'm enjoying ice cream, I still feel sad or I still feel confused. And so I'm just going to sit with that and um, and acknowledge that. I think that can be really powerful. Um and I and think so I think
0: that's another Yeah, go ahead. It's powerful to acknowledge it sometimes in company. So kind of like you and I are mm. doing right now. And yeah. I know we oh, process yeah. differently. So for some people, it might be really powerful to just write it down. So like journal, whether you type or, it yeah. or you have a journal or you write on the back of a envelope while you're in the carpool line or um for me i 'm a verbal processor, and sometimes i don 't even need another person, but I need to feel like i 'm coordinating so like I can leave Christy a long voice message and By the end of it, I feel better. I almost don't even need her to respond because I just needed a place where I could say out loud all the things I was feeling. But then I've had days where I really need a person on the other end of the line. And so I've had other friends I've FaceTimed with and had them say back to me, this is what I see. This is what I hear and what you're saying. This is what I think. This is what I recognize. Um, So I think you do. I think step one is acknowledging it yourself. Step two is finding a way to process those feelings. So you can't just live with them indefinitely. You need them out. And so maybe you need to go deeper though. Maybe there's a therapist you need to talk to. And I was with a friend last night who was sharing, she's going to therapy every other week and and she doesn't have like a mass trauma she's working through, but this is part of like the maintenance, maintaining of soul and body, finding healthy ways to work through that. So I do think it's important to figure out, okay, what do I do with These things I'm identifying now, where do I put them? Because you do need a place for them, for them to go so that you can start to make sense and make meaning, because that is what the act of writing or communication is about. It's making meaning out of chaos. It's the mosaic, right? It's being able to look at the chaos and the broken pieces and saying, oh, I see, I see meaning here. And uh, it's funny, in the olden days, I might have told you what I thought I was supposed to as a Christian, like, you need to have a Bible study and read your Bible. And now I think it's much more important to just to figure out how to draw close to God or maybe it's to recognize that He is drawing close to you. He actually is. And so, there are days where reading Scripture is where we meet Him. But there are other days where it's maybe blasting music that might not even be praise and worship music. Like, a place where there's beauty and joy and art. God is there in those things with you. But finding ways to to invite Him into this experience of decoding how you feel and what what to do with it. and And then I do think it's important to invite your family at some point, you know, to let them know this is where I'm at or what I'm thinking or feeling. And of course, age appropriate, depending on your kids, but definitely with your spouse. And if you have older kids having conversations, because it gives them permission to share the things they've been trying to figure out from the last three years. So having space for feeling your feelings, and then finding a way to talk or write or communicate your feelings and having someone who is an active participant in that with you, because I think that is where God meets us through other people.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Like, I've been thinking about the presence of God, just that phrase. I think we maybe sang in church on Sunday a song with that phrase, and then I feel like it turned up in a psalm I was praying this week, um, which— I'll have to go hunt it down to see if that, you know, what's on. But um, anyway, there's just that word, the presence of the Lord, the presence of God. As Christians, we believe that God is present. Um, you know, one thing I've been talking about my kids lately is um, like Jesus coming back or the return, you know, that this is what mm-hmm. we believe that, you know, mm-hmm. um, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Like that's what we believe. Um, but it's wrapped up in the sense that like, also he never left. (laughs) Um, he's still present. Um, and that actually, I think Paul's language, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before his language for the sec, what we sometimes call this second coming is glorious appearing. So he's here, (laughs) but we're, we're waiting for that glorious appearing where we see face to face, but, but he's present. He never left. And, and, um, and, My church tradition, we just um, celebrated Pentecost Sunday, which is like the birthday of the church because that's when, um, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit came and appeared as tongues of fire, flames, wind, and um, and then language. So, we're, we're returned to that, Lisa Joe. that when the Comforter came, the Spirit of God came, the presence of the risen Christ was with them. It looked like every kind of language, every kind of communication, and being able to tell this story with new power and a new ability to communicate no matter where someone was from or what their past was or what tribe, you know, they originated from now, thanks to the Holy Spirit, the story could be told in every language and just the beauty and power of that. But yeah, as we've, you know, had Pentecost Sunday, that tangible reminder that, oh yeah, God is with us still. Um, Still we can, you know, experience the presence of the Lord. I think, yeah, maybe that's what it will look like for me this summer. It's just to keep asking myself, like, God, where are you? Help me to move in that direction. Help me, okay, oh, my thoughts are swirling. Okay, help me to sit with you, Lord. Help me to bring these to your feet. Um, And you're right, like tangibly, it might look like a hundred different things. It might look like scripture. Um, It might look like going to church and worship in that way. Um, It might mean FaceTiming a friend. It might mean— playing your music too loud and rolling the windows down. I think it can look like all those things, because that's really cool. Christ is is everywhere. But all of it will be about entering into the presence of the Lord. Because you're right, the truth is, we cannot process, figure out these things, heal ourselves, like that is not happening. So we are not handing ourselves or anyone else a to-do list or a checklist or a, okay, now go do this work. Instead, it, it can be as beautifully simple and life-giving as just entering the presence of the Lord or remembering you are in the presence of the Lord and drawing your attention to that. Totally preaching to myself here, Lisa Jo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is what this show is about.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh Well, I, it's been a good conversation. I think part of what we're saying here is it's a matter of kind of like that spring cleaning, summer cleaning of the soul, you know, paying Mm -hmm. attention to the mess that's Mm -hmm. gathered and piled up over the last few years and sorting through it and So I think next week that will bring us to wrap up the conversation as we just sort of talk about that on a more practical level in our homes because that has become a thing over the last Mm -hmm. three to four years. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. So yeah,
0: we're decluttering our souls and our spaces and we hope that it'll give you freedom to do the same and to know you're not alone and there's no set pace. You have to accomplish it by. There's no deadline. Um, But there is the invitation to just keep moving through and sifting and sorting uh, because it is part of Trying to make sense of what it looks like to be finishing, not
1: finished. Mm, yep, that's the key. Finishing. Here's to finishing this summer, Lisa yeah. Joe. <laughs>